The following may contain offensive language, adult humor, and or content that some viewers may find offensive. The views and opinions expressed by any one speaker does not explicitly or necessarily reflect or represent those of Mark Rattledge or W2M Network. Please listen with caution, or don't listen at all. TV party tonight! Hello and good evening and welcome to TV Party Tonight. I am your host, Alexis Haina, and tonight we are talking about season one of House of the Dragon, aka has everyone forgiven hbo for that final season of game of thrones aka guess what misogyny in the middle ages ends up with everybody dead <laughs> it was actually kicking around other titles like so also aka damn it auto high tower and just yeah I, 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 it was like i think i had a whole list of these different names i could call this show anyways joining me tonight are my guests uh, we got david lazara how are you doing Good, how are you? Doing good. Uh, just jumped in is David Wright. Glad to have you on, man. Hey, yeah, good to be here. All right, glad to have you in. And, uh, of course, Andrew Orozco, glad to have you back. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm excited to talk a little Song of Ice and Fire. Or, in this case, Fire and Blood. Oh, well said. So- because uh, this is actually based off of the book Fire and Blood by George R. R. Martin. Uh, this was written more as a textbook style instead of more of a narrative. This uh, talks about the Targaryen dynasty, um, which ended with the Dance of the Dragons, or as we're hearing others call it, the War of the Greens and the Blacks. Uh, this is what we're building up to with the battle between Queen Rhaenyra and King Aegon for who gets to sit on the Iron Throne and then they can, you know, get a million cuts that are going to get gangrenous and they're going to lose their fingers. So, let's go ahead here. This is brought to us by GRRM. I'm assuming that's George R. R. Martin's production company. Bastard Sword, 126 Pictures Incorporated, and HBO Entertainment. So, one of the things I want to start off with is, like I said, this show had a lot riding on its heels to start off with because this show had to follow what was arguably the most disastrous finale for a popular TV show that I think any of us have ever seen. And if you could think of one that's even worse, please chime in and let me know. I'm interested. But I have I still remember that final season and how the fans just they dropped it. I, I have never seen I've seen so it's like, well, I don't really I'm not big a fan anymore. It's like no. Game of Thrones, no one wanted to talk about it anymore. No one wanted to discuss it anymore. No one wanted to wear the fan merchandise anymore. It was just, no, that show is dead to us. That's how bad things got. So I'm going to throw this out to you guys. Whoever wants to jump in and start, go ahead. What were your thoughts when they announced they were going to do a spinoff series after, you know, things got so, so bad on Game of Thrones? 
So yeah, I just want to say that um, I saw. I, I wasn't really a huge fan of Game of Thrones. Uh, I tried to watch it in the first season, but I just kind of couldn't because I had little kids like in the living room walking around and stuff. So I really that is a very good reason. <laughs> oh, so, you didn't want your little kids to see children getting burned at the stake and siblings <laughs> raping each other and a woman getting stabbed in her pregnant belly. Oof. Yeah. Then Art. I mean, I had. I had work and stuff, but I'm talking about Game of Thrones. So it was years and years ago. Um, but I had other friends that would talk about it. So I would kind of like loosely kind of stay with the story. And then, of course, I eventually did watch up to, I believe, season six. And so I caught up to it and I would watch it at night. So I, I did kind of stay current with it. Not as much as I did with House of the Dragon. But when people talk about the finale of Game of Thrones, a lot like how you spoke about it. For me, being a, a fan of it, looking from the outside in to all the fans that say it was just a disaster, it was horrible, I really didn't have a problem with it. Um, and I'm always curious to see what people say when they say it was it was a disaster. So why do you think it was such a huge disaster? Well, I do know that obviously way before the last season, they had to start deviating from the established works because right. George R. R. Martin amazing author though he is cannot write that fast right right so we got to Jon snow being stabbed and everyone saying so now what right okay so so yeah that's the point he wrote up to mm -hmm. so i personally i guess spoilers for game of thrones on hbo i didn't have a show issue. ended years ago okay don't right. get mad at us yeah, if we, you're we, upset yeah, about spoilers yeah statute of limitations everyone exactly well, for all the uh, tweens and young adults that are watching, I guess, and maybe children, I don't know. But, also, Darth um, Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Soylent Green is people. Bruce Willis was a ghost the whole time. What? No. I know. Sorry. So, yeah. So, I got caught up to it. I saw it. I actually liked it. I had no problem with it. And it really felt like there was a parallel to the fandom for Star Wars, which is the podcast I have, with The Last Jedi. Everyone hated or actually, like, half the fandom seemed like they hated The Last Jedi. But it, for Game of Thrones, it, it feels more like an 80-20, 80% of them hated it, 20 split, you know? So I, I'm in the minor, like, in the minority, really, that kind of liked the ending and had really no issue with it. So that being said, I mean, popular culture and, and popular opinion does make me anxious happy depressed when another piece of this franchise is gonna is gonna drop and of course with all that controversy with the ending a lot of people hated it we knew that there was gonna be two series coming out there was gonna be blood moon i believe and that was canceled with starring naomi watts and i just kind of said to myself this this franchise is doomed and when house of dragon house of the dragon debuted I don't know if it was just out of happenstance, coincidence, whatever, but I was in front of my TV, so I turned it on just to take a look. So when I started watching it, it felt like traditional Game of Thrones. So I kept on with it, and it was interesting, and I was like, wow, that was actually pretty good. It felt like I was watching Game of Thrones again. And then when episode two hit, and they brought back the intro music, I was like, yes. It always got me hyped to watch a new Game of Thrones episode, and it felt like Game of Thrones had no issue with it. And for the entire series of House of the Dragon, I had no issue with anything. It became appointment television, must-watch television. Everyone was watching it. It took social media by storm. P 
people had issues with the incest and some of the more graphic things for like a millisecond and then it disappeared. It was like it was like it was like Teflon on social media. Everyone was watching it talking about it. It was a great series. I think it was the best show among all the shows that debuted during that span of time. She-Hulk, Rings of Power, and or I think it was the best and I couldn't get enough of it. And it's to me it's kind of my it, it's reignited what I think I started uh, to have grow in me the, the the fandom for Game of Thrones and George R. R. Martin and, and diving deep into the world and, and the world building that that is the Song of Ice and Fire, Fire and Blood, the Dance of Dragons, all that stuff. I mean, it, it, it's so cool. I didn't think there was another thing out there that was a lot like the Lord of the Rings. I'm a big fan of that franchise. So we have this, and it, it's kind of Lord of the Rings on steroids in a way, you know? And we, we, we have the technology to see dragons on screen, which is terrific. And it it just felt like Game of Thrones, and it feels like a continuation. And I, I it was kind of sad that that was going to end. And now we get the news that there's going to be a Jon Snow show happening. And just just the tremendous depth and the storytelling and the, the casting – Top to bottom, this this was just. It, it, I'm gonna remember this time in my life of going to the TV and watching it every Sunday night, and and just loving every episode. I don't think there was a bad episode, a, a bad actor, a bad piece of storytelling. It was just excellent. All right. So David Wright, when I mentioned that I was gonna host a show about this, you were one of the fans that really jumped in and said you wanted to be involved in this. Mm-hmm. You know, you were really excited about this. What got your interest about talking about this? Uh well, first of all, I tend to schedule or decide on which podcasts I want to do based on what I'm actually watching myself. This is how you avoid burnout, anyone who's wondering. Like, you know, if I if I'm already watching the show, I may as well talk about it. Whereas if I start begging for extra shows, then the schedules get swamped and I end up staying up till midnight the day before watching the rest of Halo season one. I would have no idea what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> Go so, see uh, our review of Midnight Club. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like I, yeah, I, I enjoyed Game of Thrones when it first came out. I didn't have the horrible reaction to how it ended like uh, others. I mean, I don't know how it relates to like how I met your mother or lost in terms of, uh, fan disappointment i didn't really follow either of those shows but like i i i mean you can hear me talk about this more in depth if you go back to our game of thrones tv party tonight but the quick and dirty version is uh i i saw what they were trying to do with the ending like they kind of like they had like the i think george r, r. martin kind of gave them a little roadmap like you know, here are the major events going through it and he just kind of blitzed through them as opposed to giving them enough time to really get established and work them out and flesh out the character stuff around it like you have Peter Dinklage just acting the hell out of his that you know, five minute scene where he basically retcons all of Daenerys's character development for half of the show. And God damn it, Peter Dinklage is such a good actor; he almost pulls it off. Almost. But but yeah, almost. Keyword almost. So it's like I, I see what they were going for, but yeah, like they didn't really. Uh, it seems like they were in a rush to go move on to Star Wars or whatever that they didn't take the time to really establish it like you know Daenerys turns into a different character once she gets to Westeros and yeah it was if they had established that stuff more and taken more time I think people wouldn't have had as much of a a negative reaction to it but moving on so I like I totally get a lot of the criticism for the end of Game of Thrones but then again I've been burned by the ends of so many shows 
like, a, you know, I was, I had my anime fan phase before all of this. And if you want to talk about shows that don't have satisfying endings, <laughs> you know, like, like, like people complained about the 2000, you know, the Battlestar Galactica reboot. And it's like how bad that was. Like, I was just like, don't suck. Just don't have an ending that sucks. That's all I ask. It's like, okay, the ending didn't suck. It wasn't amazing. But I, I think you, with, with shows like Game of Thrones or, or Battlestar Galactica, like they start so strong that, you know, the expectations for how it will end, you just expect this crescendo of better and better and better and better. It, it's never going to meet your expectations by the end. Like, I'm sorry, this show is not going to blow your brains out through your eye sockets when you get to the end. Just, just hope for doesn't shit the bed. And like, I don't think Game of Thrones was, did quite that bad. So uh, when they announced that they were going to do another series, I'm like, oh, okay, we'll see how it goes. And, uh, I think yeah, House of the Dragon kept on going and uh, every other, it seems like every month there was like a Game of Thrones spinoff prequel canceled story somewhere. And I'm thinking like, but, but they had a trailer. You know, like Matt Smith was in it. So so it finally came out. So like I, I didn't really go in with like huge expectations, but I just kind of went into like, oh, we'll see how this goes. And, uh, you know, it took a few episodes, but it, it kind of got to a place where I'm like, oh yeah, this is pretty good. I don't know if we're leaping into the, the show proper review yet, but that's my sort of precursor. Very true. And we will get to Matt Smith here uh, before too long when we talk about some of the actors and their roles in this. Uh, Andrew, you're the only one who hasn't chimed in yet. What were your thoughts on uh, the ending of Game of Thrones and the idea to, you know, hopefully rise from the ashes, as it were? Um, I remember the ending. I've only seen it once. I don't know if anybody else has ever gone back to watch it again. I've seen, I've rewatched the entire show up until the eighth season twice, and I, 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 I just don't commit because of the disappointment of the ending. But uh, I, I tell I mean, my friends it's the journey, not the destination. With Game there you go, there you go. It's <laughs> yeah. it's funny to me because I, I work as a substitute teacher, so I'm starting to meet students who are named after characters from the show oh no the flood of the young khaleesi and, it, and it's funny to see where that age cutoff is where like i think what eighth the last season came out like 2019 i want to say right like beginning of 2019 yeah. sorry i have to jump in here khaleesi is a title not a name of an actual character no Doesn't i'm sorry the I'm fact that it went on record that there was a huge surge of women naming their da their daughters khaleesi yep that that turned out well i've never met a khaleesi but i have met two Count them two Daenerys's. Okay. Oh, so different bad. schools, different districts, but still. Like it was just funny to me. Like, and then up until I want to say maybe like down to like five, age five years and younger, like no one names them that. Uh, that's where the cutoff is. And I think I find that so funny just because that kind of tells you like where people had their hopes and expectations with that character mm -hmm. and then kind of just like right. So um I actually don't think the ending's that bad. I mean, it is pretty bad, but it's not like I never saw the show, but the last time I, I remember people complained that much about the finale, I think was lost. I wasn't into the show, but a lot of people did not like from people in my friend group and family. Mm -hmm. They really did not like the ending of that. So when you asked initially, like if you can think of a, a finale as disappointing, I'm like, I didn't see it. But this reminds me a lot of when Lost ended. So um, but it's I think the buildup and the way they kind of like, you know, lift Daenerys on the pedestal and you like. You think she's she tells she tells everyone how she's benevolent and she's fair and all this stuff. 
and then she just burns King's Landing to the ground, yes. the dragons, and it's yeah. like I'm the breaker of chains, the freer of slaves. She gets to Westeros, bend the knee, or I will burn you all to death with my dragons. It's Pretty like, much, right? And then Question. All, yeah, and then they all bend the knee, and she goes, eh, burn them all anyway. Pow. Right, right. Um, yeah, I just remember a lot of people, even people who are in my friend's group who are not nerdy, who kind of just watched HBO casually because everyone else does. Like they're all like, like that's it, like that's the ending. I think more people were disappointed with the whole White Walker thing than the Daenerys thing, I think. I know a lot mm-hmm. of people personally who were kind of like, that's it? Like, that's the big thing they were hyping up for all these seasons? And, like, it kind of just ends with Arya just stabbing and that solves the entire thing. So, uh, yeah, they really like, fumbled the ball. But I, I just remember thinking when it was over, I'm like, well, at least we still have the books for, like, the real ending, I kept thinking. But who knows if we'll ever get there at this point, so... Yeah, I was somebody mentioned earlier on a chat about the whole Arya things. They mentioned it's like you don't need the prince who was promised. They needed a Stark who knew how to use both hands. Because <laughs> that's what saved the Seven Realms. Yeah. Okay, so this series picks up about I think it's like three generations before uh, Daenerys Targaryen's even born, and we see her ancestors the targaryen family who rule over king's landing starting with king viserys his daughter princess later queen rhaenyra uh his brother daemon who then becomes prince and prince consort and yeah those who complained about the incest being kind of ewy in game of thrones you haven't seen anything yet (laughs) i mean i i know that if you actually look at a lot of uh, royal dynasties back in the ancient times it's like i remember reading uh like a family tree of ancient egypt uh, about the generations before cleopatra mm-hmm. came into power and it's like so he married his niece then he married his sister then he married that kid it's just like oh my god the, these people genetics were not a known thing yeah so, to, to, to quote andrew graham who's not here tonight uh yeah, the Egyptian family royal tree was more of a stump. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, that's actually pretty funny. <laughs> so, yeah, we get a lot of that. I mean, there, there's a big thing about Renera supposedly being found in a compromising position with her uncle, but the woman who freaks out about it most marries her son to her daughter. You have Aegon marrying Helena, who is a sister wife. Yeah, so it's like, what? Where is where's the line on normal incest to iwi incest? I think that was different because like Rhaenyra is like she has to be like you know pure or whatever for it to continue the lineage. Whereas like in that situation you mentioned, it's like kind of like a side kind of deal, sort of rather than like the you know the the generation going forward for like the the lineage. I think it's slightly different, maybe. Definitely. So let's go ahead and talk about some of the characters. One of the things that a lot of people were impressed with is, well, I've actually heard like 50-50, and I want to know what you guys think about this, is we get a lot of age skips. So we get a lot of actors playing one role. Uh, we got two actresses playing both uh, Rhaenyra and uh, Queen Allison. We have like three or four kids playing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Prince to King Aegon and all of his siblings. We have three kids who were playing uh, Le- uh, Princess Lena. I'm going to add that I, I was joking with 
a couple of you guys before the show started, I put together a little family tree here for notes because evidently the people of Westeros don't believe in being creative with their children's names. Mm -mm. <laughs> I know by the end of the Dance of Dragons, we have three King Aegons. So, well, they're, yeah, I'm, well, look at the French royal family. <laughs> Do I have to? Yeah, easy, easiest job. If you're, if yeah, if you're, if you're, if you're the king of France, you know what you're naming your kid. Pretty much. So yeah, it's like we have Lenor and Lena, and Lena and Damon have Bela and Reyna, and it. We have Princess Rhaenyris and Princess Rhaenyra, and it. We're not even going to bother trying to name the dragons. I was like, I have my limits. <laughs> have my limits and we have a time frame here so uh let's go ahead and start we brought up matt smith first as damon targaryen uh who i don't know if you want to call him an anti-hero or i don't know if you want to call him the world's biggest dick because he's kind of both so who wants to jump in first talking about uh one of the most popular uh, leads of doctor who suddenly becoming just scummy mick pawn scum yeah i'll go um yeah knowing that matt smith was cast in this show um i i wasn't sure if this was going to be the role that was really going to make him like i think it has i think um like i said uh house of the dragon has been a, a cultural not just in a, in a niche fandom uh success and i think this is the role that's made him. I, I think Matt Smith is now hit that level where, I mean, he's going to be universally known. And I think if, if he continues here and if the show's great, um, I know that our fandom, we all know him from Doctor Who. I mean, it, he's, he's one of the doctors. We knew him all before him, but he's hit that next level of, of stardom. And um, him being an anti-hero, uh, at, at first I thought he was a straight-up villain uh, to start the... Because I had no idea what the books were. I, I didn't know what was uh, what his story was going to be. But uh, I would hear like certain parts of his story and stuff. But yeah, he he gained the the favor of, of so many different fans out there. Um, and I think he, he totally pulled it off. Like I said before, all the everyone that was cast did a great job. But him playing Damon... Um, I think he he nailed it. He nailed that archetype. He he did his job, and I I, I thought some of those sequences, especially that that episode where he fights uh, the Crab King, it, it I mean it was like zero dialogue, and people were saying, well, we he deserves the Emmy for zero dialogue and just his acting alone. His face said everything, and it's like wow. It's like everyone was saying that. And I was like, man, that's that's incredible praise, and I felt he did a great job. But I mean, a lot of people just went crazy over his performance and his arc throughout the entire season was was a pretty interesting cool thing to see because i mean like you say he was he was kind of an anti-hero he started off as like a, a dick first and then he became maybe more and more kind of not moral but in his in that lane where i mean he was going to do anything to protect his family and and what he loved and when we got to the end of the show, we, we kind of saw um, kind of, I think, what he kind of truly is. Of course, we saw him essentially there for the for the killing of his wife um, that he was married to. He was actually Which married one? to. <laughs> the saw... one on the horse, I believe. <laughs> I yeah, the one he personally killed. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So 
interesting I, fact, actually. Um, I, I I did a little research. I have not read Fire and Blood, but I did a little research on it. The book actually says she did die in a horse riding accident. It has no mention whatsoever that Damon was the one right, who yeah, triggered yeah, it they definitely, the job. Yeah, they definitely took liberty on that. But mm -hmm. it's it's interesting because it, the, the power of the show is is to... It, it's, it's what it kind of did to me. It, it, it almost makes Damon almost look like somewhat of a sympathetic type character because you see that, I mean, what happened to his brother and you see kind of just the plight that he's in. But I mean, he's really not someone you should probably sympathize with, but it, it's, I mean, HBO shows, I guess, do that kind of like with the Sopranos too. I mean, it, it's kind of, you cheer for the villain almost in a way. And I, I think everyone's kind of cheering for Damon to, to succeed or, or, something of that nature so i will say it's interesting you say everyone was screaming give damon the emmy because i know everyone was also screaming that for patty constantine how do you pronounce this constantine constantine i don't constantine? know i think it's constantine yeah. constantine. constantine that's how i read I, it I, I have actually never heard his last name pronounced. Everyone just says Patty, who plays King Viserys the first, who is king when the show opens. You have that scene where he's he, he's pretty much falling apart. You yeah. know, it's just like it's like how it's like how much opium are you giving this man for that he hasn't just completely disintegrated? You know, because you have that great scene where he is he has no energy whatsoever and he hauls himself across the uh, floor of the main hall. To his crown to help settle the dispute about uh driftmark for his daughter and what his daughter is saying is the claim because I, I love he's you know he walks across he has no energy but he makes and he sits down he's like okay is there a reason that we're fighting over this crap so uh andrew i want to go ahead and move on to you to the next character uh that we're going to talk about and that is the two women who play uh princess later queen Rhaenyra. we start off with millie alcock and we move on to uh emma darcy uh, so what did you think about the two women who were, I mean, obviously I think we did, they did a really good job finding two actresses who could, you know, be very easily mistaken for one another at different points in their age. So what did you think about that? Are we talking about the two that play Rhaenyra? Is that what you're saying? Yes. what did you think oh, about okay. those, the actresses' performances? Um, well, I kind of, I was a little upset a little bit that we didn't spend enough time with the younger one just cause I was, I, I thought she was, uh, between the two, she was a much more like kind of defiant and much more, I thought, like realistic kind of character between the two. Just went because like she's, you know, when you're younger, you're a little more impulsive. You're also uh, you don't see the greater picture. Right. You don't you think more about yourself personally, right. Selfishly in a way uh, as a teenager. Right. You're you don't want like her not want to be tied down to a specific person and like she's too young and then feeling like. Like she feels like she's not really sure how she should feel about her, like, um, about at her best friend <laughs> marrying her dad, right? And then that whole situation now, where it's not just how awkward that is now, but now that there's the question that, like, is she still going to be queen? Because now, like, her dad's been wanting an heir and everything. And I found that character much more interesting than when later on, when she's uh, she has the time jump and she's older and now she's like matured like i felt like that character was a little bit more boring just because she was more settled in as a mother and like i mean traditionally mothers when they're when they're when they're centered on being mothers aren't as you know as entertaining i guess you could say to uh to watch grow and to like you know 
act and such. So I preferred the younger one just because I felt like there was more story there. But then the old, the older, um, the older Rhaenyra, like we, we finally get that payoff, like, you know, towards the end of the season where now she has to go into survival mode and now she has to plot. And then you get, you get the moment where she does when they're like the, the lit up chair, the lit table, right. With the map of the whole, that was like, the coolest thing in the world. I so love So cool. That. Westeros. And then she's kind of like, all right, like her wisdom finally comes through where she's like, okay, these two, like, you know, uh, I've never, what she say? She, I've never known to Stark to like, uh, disobey or like disavow their, yeah, like, to go back on a oath or something like yeah, that. So yeah. So she's kind of taking inventory of like who she can count on, who's a maybe, and then who's like completely opposed to her. And I thought like, like, like seeing her like kind of like in that commander kind of charge is like, oh, right. Like, like she's been raised her whole life to take on this kind of role where she has to lead the, the seven kingdoms and now she's like she knows where her weaknesses are where her strengths are and how to kind of you know be a politician to an extent so i i think in the middle of the show the middle of the show is where i just kind of was bored with the renera character and everybody else seemed infinitely more interesting to me including allison and laris and like everybody else just seemed way more interesting i was kind of like i don't know how they want us to feel about renera because I, I know some people like going to social media after every episode and some people were like, like, oh, hell no, like Allison, like, how dare you like do this kind of stuff. And then some people were kind of like, like, like Allison, it seems like a much more like interesting kind of tempered character compared to Rhaenyra. And so like, I don't know if, if the show wants, I think until the very last second, right, when she finds out what happens to her son. And then that's when it's immense, like, oh, okay, like we're supposed to be on her side now because she said, like, I'm not going to throw the first blow. But I'm, you know, I'm going to react, and then that's exactly what happens. So now it's kind of like now we have the morality of who Rhaenyra is like cemented for the audience. So now we know who we're supposed to like quote unquote root for. So definitely, she has a scene where she says that she would rat that she's she doesn't want to give up the throne. She doesn't want to give up her what you know the fact that her father did pick her for it, but mm -hmm. she knows that if they go to war then Westeros is going to get burned. When dragons go to war, I say the dragons go to war, everything, everything burns. Yeah. Yeah. Everything turns to bone and ash. And she's like, it is more, she's like, it is better to make sure that my people live mm -hmm. than to hold on to this claim. But yeah, when, when that news gets back to her in that final scene, it's like, yeah, you know what? Burn them all. It's like, <laughs> obviously like, this means war. <laughs> yeah, I personally like someone made a meme of the scene where, uh, Eamon, kills uh luke so again fun little fact in the book uh it was actually described as just a, a very one-sided fight no question <laughs> i think we saw the size of those two drag how amazing was that scene was where awesome. uh luke is flying and like like this and you see aemon and his dragon come up from behind it's it's pretty much like see, here's, Mothra, shadow. here's king Ghidorah. you're dead yeah. <laughs> But in the books, apparently, it was a it was a very one sided battle. But Aemon had no problem killing his nephew, and they changed yeah. it for the series. It's clear that he wanted to scare him, but he didn't intend to it. Which I also think is a callback to the first episode where King Viserys says, "Never think for a second we control the dragons," because mm -hmm. we see both boys are having trouble getting their dragons under control. Even Luke has a scene where it's like, "I just want to get out of here," and his dragon snaps. At the bigger one, you're like, no, no, listen to me, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that look on Eamon's face when he sees the bits of his nephew and his nephew's dragon falling, and he's just got the look, and, you, and someone made a meme that says, and it was at that moment he knew 
he gone fucked up. <laughs> yeah. It just got real. Yeah, just that look on his face. And again, I think that also calls back to, I can't remember which episode it was, but there was a scene where the, they talked to the boys about actually being in war and killing. And Amond had never actually taken a life. And I think just that that horror is like, oh God, that's because he always presents himself as a, such a tough little bastard and so strong and, mm-hmm. you know, and the best fighter out of them. But I don't think he was prepared for how he was going to feel when he kills uh, mm-hmm. his first person. And it's his freaking nephew. That his first ca- his first victim is his nephew. Yeah, that, that was a terrific scene. It actually got spoiled for me. I was, um, my wife was door dashing and I was on TikTok waiting for her. And, a, and that scene came up and I couldn't tell it was like Game of Thrones. It was like very, very uh, poor quality. And I started watching. And I was like, wait a minute, that looks, this looks a lot like Game of Thrones. And I just kept on watching it. And I hadn't heard the news of any leaks or anything. So I was like, there's no way this is the show. And then I saw it happen. I was like, yeah. And then I I, I saw Eamon and I was like, man, I can't stop watching this. So I actually <laughs> saw it on my phone, him like taking that huge bite out of that dragon. And I think the dra- Rhaegar swallowed the uh, his nephew whole. Yeah, I, I don't sure. think there was like pieces of him. But yeah, yeah I, I, was... I don't know. All we see are dragon bits. So if there's any Luke bits amongst there, I can't, yeah, that I was... can't make out what's falling. Yeah, I just love, was... I just love like that brief moment of respite, respite where like he gets out of the storm and you're above the storm. It's all sunny and bright. And you're like, okay, like, yeah, like, okay, we're good deep now. Breath, deep breath. Okay. And then you just, just out of the clouds, just like <laughs> a big chomp. And I was like, damn. Oh my damn. God. That was so well shot. All right. And going back to Emma Darcy, we found out what her favorite drink was too. <laughs> I think I lost everyone. So, yeah, well, okay, so, please continue. But do note if this pun gets really bad, I do have the option to remove you from the chat. <laughs> it's not really a pun. It was an interview uh, between Emma Darcy and Olivia Cook that they turned into like a song and like. Um, all kinds of different stuff, but it's Olivia. Cook. I'm surprised none of y'all have heard of it. I was thinking maybe this might happen, but anyways, it's all over TikTok, Google, everywhere. I mean, it, Olivia Cook asks Emma, Dar- Emma Darcy what her favorite drink is, and immediately she goes a Negroni Spagliato with Prosecco in it, and it turned into like this big old thing online. I'm surprised no one's heard of it. I don't know. Um, it's out there. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go off of that with Olivia Cook, uh, David Wright. Uh, we have Olivia Cook and M- Emily Carey playing uh, the older and younger Alicent. And we, she's a very complex character. Again, I don't know how much they established about that in the book, but we have her as this. She is a woman who is trying to do good by her sons. And she is she honestly thinks that her son being on the throne is what Viserys wants. You know, we see how hard she tries to essentially call off the the black or the green council who are all like, okay, yep, first order of business, go kill Renera and her kids and her husband and anyone else supporting her. So what did you think about the actresses playing uh, Queen Alicent? Yeah, well, again, good job. I mean, the, the Game of Thrones series has always had consistently very good casting. Like, I don't. I, yeah, it's hard for me to think of like, any one performance where you kind of went like, "Oh, that wasn't very." Ed good. Sheeran. I don't know. Oh my god, I knew it! I knew someone <laughs> was going to bring that up. I knew it. <laughs> Take a shot, people. We knew it was going to happen. All right, here we go. 
Yeah, so from an acting perspective, yeah, like she's 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 good. Like I don't think she gets as good a moment as like Matt Smith does, but uh, you know, we're just getting started. Uh, the character wise, yeah, like I kind of like how she starts off as just being like following her father's wishes, just being a good little daughter, doing what what's good for the house, and you know, ingratiating herself to the king, and then ending up marrying him and becoming the queen, and. Of course, then once she has her own kids, then her, her attitude changes to things, and yeah, and we sort of get into the the central conflict around we have uh, you know the king's you know stated heir as Rhaenyra, but the more traditional would be like his firstborn son, who is a complete mess uh, in this. Uh, and apparently, born apparently the teenager version of Aegon was played by Ty Tennant, David Tennant's son. Mm, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. he's an interesting uh, conversation. <laughs> there but uh yeah and like i mean myself personally it's like jesus god like the king has like all of his life ever since he named rhaenyra his heir has been totally taking her side basically killing anyone that dares question any of her legitimacy as heir but now that he's super drugged up and on his deathbed yeah this is totally the moment where he's going to have a lucid moment and to say for sure <laughs> you know wh who he wants his heir to be like i i think there's a bit of projection going on in there like she she chose the, the she chose to interpret what happened the way that she wanted it to happen yeah and uh and, and you know, that's that's kind of a bummer but you know we need the show to happen but yeah it it, it, it is nice when they get to the small council moment she's like wait a minute like the, there's no way you guys are just improving this coup like you've, you've been planning this for a while yeah. So, so yeah, you, you see her. She's trying to come up with a peaceful solution that results with her getting what she wants, much in the way that Rhaenyra is also kind of doing it her way. But you just know that the momentum behind both sides is it's too much. It's only a matter of time before before something happens. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I think she she does a good job of sort of showing the the conflict in in the character. And we did, and it was interesting. We did get that one moment where she just basically goes off on Rhaenyra and all, but says that you know, your your children are illegitimate. You're not worthy of the throne, and you know she almost like tries to to stab her with a knife. Yeah, very strong boys. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, that speech. Strong, that strong was strong. strong blood. Oh, again, Aemon, they did such a great job just making him so dis. Just the way he's saying that in Relsha, and the fact that even Allison runs up to him after he says it, she's like, "What the hell? What the hell?" Because even yeah. she's just like, "How stupid are you to have to say something like that?" Yeah, but but I love it. At the, like after that, when when uh, Otto Hightower is talking to her, and you're expecting him to remember, I was like, "I never knew there you had this side to you. This totally changes my plans." So. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I I think you know she did a good job. It's not the most standout performance of the show, but uh, you know she she did what she needed to do. And so yeah, talking about Allison obeying her father's wishes because yeah, like I said, another title for the series. Damn it, Otto Hightower, <laughs> because it's abundantly clear that pretty much everything that happens in the Dance of Dragons, this entire Civil War, it's his fault. He's the one who put Alicent uh, to start courting the king so that he would marry her. He's the one who suggested, he's the one who basically got Damon exiled in the first place so he wouldn't be uh, the mm -hmm. heir. Uh, he's the one who 
you know, tells, puts, puts all the stuff in Allison's head about how if Renera is crowned queen, then everyone's going to suffer or, you know, she'll kill Allison and her kids. I mean, not uncommon in uh, that era of history. True. But, oh my God, what's the actor's name who plays him? Reese Ethens. Reef Ethens. Yeah. Another name that I look at and go, I should know how to pronounce that. Why can't I? Who I've seen in so many things and he's amazing, but he plays the role of Otto Hightower with almost this very quiet, calm determination. We never very see stoic. him get angry. We never mm -hmm. see him throw a hissy fit. He always speaks very firmly, but you get the feeling that he knows what he's talking about. And he's been thinking about exactly what to say for a long time. He knows exactly what to say to manipulate those around him especially his daughter. Yeah, yeah, he's the biggest player in the Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. He reminds me of um, growing up, uh, my parents had this saying in Spanish, but it basically what it means is like whoever gets whoever gets angry first in an argument like loses, right? I've, so I've heard he, something similar to that, yeah. First, so he's like, he's always very like calm, calculating, and like he doesn't really show emotion even when like, like Viserys is like accusing him of like catching him early on as like, a manipulator and he's kind of just like, like no like everything i do is for you for the like like he's just very kind of like like he's a cool cucumber under pressure yeah showing up to dragonstone towards the end of the season i mean it's like good god Ballsy. man Ballsy. yeah <laughs> it's yeah like... the, the basically saying it's like okay you get renera gets dragonstone your son gets driftmark and and that line was like oh and the the newborn sons the children of renera and daemon uh Aegon and cup holders and second, cup holder and squire and I, I mentioned this to a friend of mine who again is a huge fan of the books and i mentioned that he's like in other words they would pretty much be hostages mm -hmm. held by because they would be his their youngest children would be in king's landing at all times in the court and they anytime king Aegon wanted them to do something be like oh and don't forget i have your youngest children here mm -hmm. yeah. also very common back then mm-hmm I mean, wasn't that the whole thing with Theon, right? In, in, yeah. Uh, he, he was a, in the care yeah. of the Starks as kind of like a hostage situation for the most yeah. part. Yeah, that wasn't it, so. It wasn't really a hostage situation for that. Uh, apparently, it was calm. I, I think I mentioned that this was mentioned in one of the videos that I sent you. I sent the guys last night a video called A Very Brief History. I watched of it. Yeah. Yeah, I which it. I always love because I just love the way it's like it's like Aegon came by. It's like I think you should all obey me, and you know who agrees with me? My motherfucking dragons. <laughs> <laughs> I love that video so much, and I think he mentions either in that or the second video, which is a very brief history of more recent Westeros, that it was common practice to foster uh, mm. children from neighboring houses. So I never got the feeling that uh, Aeon Greyjoy was a hostage. I thought he was a foster. Like it was, it was meant yeah. to build good relations between the houses because they confirmed that Eddard Stark and Robert Baratheon were they grew up in the uh, the Vale under mm -hmm. uh, John Arryn. Yeah. That, that's why when it starts off, you find out John Arryn's dead. Robert and um, no. Eddard are so uh, despondent. Mm -hmm. So I, I, that's well, what. But I think also, right, like a few years before his father, Balin, what, had like some kind of like revolt or something, right, too, I think. There was like some kind of, uh, I forgot exactly. I haven't read the books in gold like a, like a decade, but I think like their Balin Greyjoy like did something to warrant to warrant that. Yes. Yeah, he, he did try briefly to take control and annex the Iron Islands for himself, and it mm -hmm. went absolutely nowhere. 
because let's face it the <laughs> that happens a lot the iron islands have a very very bizarre self-image of how strong they are and how they think the world operates so okay so let's go ahead and unless anyone has any does anyone want to talk about any other characters specifically before we move on to the next big topic because i know we talked about the main ones with Renera, viserys alicent and damon are we gonna talk about amen then or at all or no uh, well, we talked a bit about Amy. What do you, you want to bring up? Something I just else? love his eye patch, dude. He looks so cool with that eye patch. <laughs> and like, then the sapphire. Just... It's a freaking sapphire in oh, his. That's eye even sapphire. cooler when he takes it off and you see the sapphire in his eye. Like, like he, like when you just see him, like he's always looks like he's just ready to pounce. Like whenever the camera is on him and he's like, he just has this look like on his face where he's just like he's thinking of something. Like he's like up to no good. I just love. He just looks so cool with that eye patch and the whole thing with him like taking like the biggest dragon of that time as like his own and he's just he's just such a cool character. He's just he's like he's just I think he's just visually interesting but also just the whole like how he's like a very competent fighter like compared to his brother he's like he's like I study like history, wars, tactics, politics like he's like he's like he's very much like the like he wants to like take over kind of thing. I love like he's just the amb overly ambitious character and just he's just like waiting for that. So I think like when he's like chasing his nephew, like he's just getting like, aggression now. I mean, he kind of, you know, he as a way to say he fucked around and found out right with the whole yeah. dragon situation. But like, like just he just is so he looks so cool. Man. He's just like one of the most interesting visually characters, I think. So yeah. well, I, like, I like how a lot of the, the nobles are like, yo, we're going for this, you know, mid mid 18th century Tudor aesthetic. And he's like, I'm going to dress like a pirate exactly exactly <laughs> speaking of pirates actually we also got lord corliss valerian who if from what i've heard they want to do a spinoff with him because apparently corliss uh that is uh princess renary husband uh ruler of driftmark uh, yeah, he evidently. sounds like a lot. He has a lot of history and a lot of battles and stuff. Yeah, I, I think they said like he's got more history and more ex more adventures than Jack Sparrow. Oh wow! Well, yeah, yeah that, that's kind of wrote down. It's like this right guy there. is as close to an actual D and D character as we're ever gonna get in Game of Thrones because oh, wow. he's freaking awesome. Well, they do mention like a couple of times, right, that his wife is upset because he's always out and about just fighting battles overseas. Overseas, like like it's like a hobby for him to just go out there and just like get away for the weekend and you know just you know put down some pirates or something like he's very much the adventurous he's definitely not like someone who's gonna rest on his laurels right he's like out there putting in work like every day or something so yeah makes sense. weekend six years whatever <laughs> yeah he shows the last we don't see him for a while because apparently he's gone for six freaking years uh fighting stepstones again i, I don't I, I love viserys's reaction when they find out they're still battling over the stepstones he's like i thought we were done with that <laughs> so but yeah lord coral is currently going to get another let's get his own spinoff because and i'm really excited to see i, I love lord cross also just because he seems like one of the most practical characters mm -hmm. i would say i love the speech he gives to his wife about you know whether or not jason luke are bastards whether or not they're actually his biological grandchildren and he says flat out history books aren't going to remember the blood they're going to remember the names. the names they carry yeah. our family's name that's all that matters and he's a hundred percent right so i love that he just stands by that and he seems still seems to be on such good terms when he tells luke that he's going to inherit driftmark mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's going to be a lot of fun um 
So, but I do believe, guys, it's time to talk about one of the most serious aspects of the show. And that is the misogyny. So, I, I, I don't like putting it like that. But this was something that has been looked over so many times with the series. And it is a major theme. We, the whole thing starts out with Viserys getting the throne, chosen for the throne in a grand vote by the Lords of Westeros solely because Rhaenerys is a woman. Mm-hmm. And even though she is the daughter of the late heir, so she technically is more of a claim to the throne, she's passed up. And we have Viserys naming his daughter after he basically exiles his brother out of Westeros for being a dick. So the question, so, and then, we, and yeah, we find out that the Green Council has been plotting to get rid of Renair and her family for freaking ever. Again, you know, Allison's just like, as you put it, is like, uh, so when were you guys going to tell me that you were staging a coup? <laughs> but the idea, we have a scene early on when uh, Otto Hightower is first fired. And he says to his daughter, if Renera is crowned queen, Westeros will burn. Is this purely motivated by the fact that she's a woman and the idea of a woman sitting on the throne? Or does he genuinely think that Renera would be a horrible leader just because he doesn't think she's competent enough to be a leader? So, um, David Wright, why don't you go ahead and start off this discussion? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I picked up on that as much as you did, which is not to say you're wrong, just different people, different perspectives. Uh, I mean, I think some of it is there because, you know, it's, it is typically you know, the first born, the firstborn male in these. Like, obviously, George R. R. Martin has based a lot of Westeros off of sort of European, mostly Western medieval societies yeah that kind of stuff so yeah i can, you know it certainly makes sense though i i do find it interesting that he has made a couple of of additions to the world of westeros that medieval europe did not have that sort of changes things up uh, one being uh you know the uh, the idea of the the moon tea where basically they have the pill uh, to be blunt and the other is the the maesters which are actually basically more scientifically oriented than most of the knowledge at the time like you know back back then like you know, if you were a doctor you, you did not wear a white coat you wore a coat covered in entrails and blood and everything to show everyone how good business was you know let alone that you're basically tracking around germs and bacteria all over the place uh i'm not gonna get into more details on that with medieval medicine but the idea is that you have the society where in the higher classes there is a much higher standard of living like probably death and childbirth is a lot lower though not zero from the first episode um, oh my god yeah yeah like guys like you don't need to show everything i seriously don't yeah um, and then we get so, a stillbirth in the final episode and that yeah, showed us everything yeah. by, the also, third, by the third birth i was like man if i have to sit through one more of these and then we got one like at the last episode and i'm like like it's the last episode i'll let it slide i'll let it slide yeah I, I still bemoan that I, I I wish that we went back to the wonderful days of where we didn't show people throwing up on screen. They just, you know, you heard it. They went off screen and I, I know what's happening, but nope. Now, now you have to see what they had for dinner, but I digress. Oh. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so he's sort of cre- added these things to Westeros to sort of, that sort of do kind of remove some of the more historical roadblocks that sort of prevented women from assuming positions of power as much not to say that there were there certainly have been 
some great female leaders in, in history. Um, but like, I, I certainly think it, it is it is there, like the idea of it, but it's the old boys club that wants to keep things traditional. Um, and, and, and you also have the additional thing of like, you know, you have the proclaimed heir versus the traditional heir and how that will all play out. And then this is how, you know, wars of succession get started. Um, like the war of Spanish succession, where you had King Charles II of Spain, speaking of, you know, why cousin should not marry. You know, he was, uh, he, he, he was in, infertile. Like he, he defied his greatest critics for decades simply by breathing. And but on his deathbed, he he said like you know, I proclaim that my nephew, uh, who was uh, heir to the French throne, to be my chosen heir. So then, if they went with that uh, heir, it would basically have unified France and Spain, which would have been like two superpowers in Europe under one crown. And like no, none of none of the uh, other nations would have that. And they had their own plans where they wanted a more neutral king, and that that started off a war. Uh, so you you do have these situations where you have the the sort of balance between different wants of different sides and the, the plans around that. But uh, yeah, I, I certainly think that you can look at it that way and that's a valid way of looking at it. Uh, my, about my, my, my biggest complaint to the entire show is I really did not like the scene at the beginning where they did the whole backstory where, you know, they chose King Viserys, a man <laughs> over Princess Rhaenyra, a woman you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, you don't need to, you, you know, like, I got it. I got it. You know, like princesses are girls, princes are boys. Like, you know, you don't need to <laughs> declare their pronouns. Like, I mean, I've, I, I am not against the whole sexism narrative here. It's just, you know, just, just, just toned it down a little bit there. You're kind of going a bit obvious. And I, like even you, at, I like how you just lean forward when you, when you say it. Yeah, well, that, 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 is, that is basically, that, that is basically like what they said, how it was done in, in the, in the opening. And it's like, oh, here we go again. And even, even when they did the sort of text crawl where this is, you know, this is, you know, the age of Targaryens, 175 years before the birth of Daenerys Stormborn Targaryen. And then they fade out the paragraph and it just leaves 175 years before Daenerys. It's like, what? So they don't even trust us to read paragraphs anymore. They have to make it that obvious. It's like, it's like, and for those of you who are bored, here's the cliff notes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I felt more like it was an insult to my intelligence than anything else. I just kind of had to get that one out there but uh, i don't think it was really an insult i think it was more just to put the emphasis on it so yeah to keep it's that, just yeah you know. i just kind of thought yeah it's it's it, it was obvious enough to me without them having to sort of twist the knife so to speak but that's my opinion go ahead and give you that uh david lozano uh you want to follow up with the uh discussion where do you think um as far as like the misogyny goes i think it was kind of like par for the course we think of the the universe that George R. R. Martin created as being like kind of like a history, uh, something that happened a long time ago, per se. And I mean, you have stuff that's happened in the past that's it's not morally we don't agree with, like the incest and I mean, massage. I think it's just right on par with everything. The thing they they don't have, which is interesting, is racism. I don't think. Or that's do true. That. That's nice, true. This yeah. is not really. There were a few uh, black actors in Game of Thrones, but I think I could be wrong. I think most of them were in Essos. Yeah. Yeah. So this is our first time seeing black people actually in Westeros. So you're saying like in the books, there is kind of an aspect of racism, but in the show, they kind of deviated from I that. I think it's closer to like sort of how racism works more in Europe, where it's not so much based off of skin color, more nationality. 
Yeah. Right? They'll be like, oh, you're Italian or you're Spanish uh, or French. Okay. And that's that 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 is a lot more the differences that people will will focus on as opposed to something like right skin back. color. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is just more that I, again, I, I don't know how it was described in the books, but okay. I do think, but yeah, I did notice that when we see characters in Essos, we tend to see uh, darker skin characters, whereas uh, the Valerians are of, are they're black, they have dark skin. And we do see a little bit more of, uh, you know, characters with more darker skin tones throughout Westeros. I know we saw a couple of them in various get togethers with uh, the Lords. We see more of them, uh, when we go throughout the the uh, the town, uh, you know, seeing more of just the common people, as it were. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm fine with it, especially since, again, I just love the actor who plays Lord Corliss. So it's just like, I'm totally on board more of this guy. He's awesome. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. he's not dead yet. Yeah, he sounds like a super interesting character. And it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. ripe, I think, for them to do mm-hmm. another epic series on water, another kind of step up technologically and yeah. beyond boats and it, it's it, the game of thrones franchise looks like it's it's gonna live for a lot longer than i mm-hmm. think people thought after after the ending of that first uh, yeah. series yeah, yeah. I, I would say just to jump in here again sorry uh Go ahead. That, that that whilst yes they certainly do have a lot of women that don't get to be in you know leaders per se in in, in the in george R. martin's universe maybe with the exception of daenerys later on but he does do a good job, I think, of writing very strong female characters. Like, yeah. you know, and, and certainly when you have the, the end of this season where basically the war is basically each side is almost led by women. Like you have Rhaenyra right. on one side, Allison on the other, though, again, she's kind of a bit more having to contend with the men around her who have plotted this all out. Like you get that great scene when she talks to uh i forget her name the 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 queen that never was renaris renaris who's also a very strong wise female character and oh and who could forget you know lady olena the queen of thorns from game of thrones again fantastic strong female character was me yeah yeah even even cersei who's not that smart but she's she's a strong character in her own right i think and but anyway yeah so we have uh yeah the queen that never was talking to Allison, say like, like you, you keep on framing everything that you do in relation to the men in your life. You know, it's what my father wants, what my son wants, what my husband wants. He's like, okay, could you ever tell me that you have even once thought of sitting on the Iron Throne? And Allison's just silent. She doesn't know what to say. So, so I think George R. R. Martin does a good job of sort of working within the historical context of the basis of the world that he's created, but whilst also injecting a bit more of shall we say modern sensibilities to that i mean it's it's not ideal i i understand that but you know he's 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 trying i think yeah and i think there is something to be said about asking that scene where she asks allison haven't you ever seen yourself on the throne because we we see allison as being they don't use these terms but if you had to come you come describe her in modern day vernacular she's very conservative She's a traditionalist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when she finds out that Renera has already lost her virginity and she doesn't care that it was, she didn't lose it to Damon. She lost it to Chris and Cole. That still just infuriates her. And that's what leads to the great scene of her walking in to the engagement banquet, wearing the green dress. And uh, we have, uh, Oh my God, what's his name? Clubfoot. Uh, 
Laris, Laris. Lord Laris. Yeah. Sorry, I'm thinking of a different character called Clubfoot from Once Upon a Time in China 3. That would have been a much more interesting show. Yeah, but let's just call this guy what he is. Littlefinger 2.0. Uh, I'd say he's more like 0.5, but... <laughs> that is not a reference to his physical disability. That's just more, oh, I mean, okay. you can't, no one can out Littlefinger Littlefinger, I mean. Very true, but he's fallen into the same thing. But yeah, yeah, that great scene where uh, Allison walks and wearing the green dress and Laris leans over to, I can't remember who he was talking to, and he's like, do you know what color the you know that the high tower flag flies at when it's declaring war so that is showing allison is walking in basically declaring war against her stepdaughter slash former best friend she's making a stand wearing that green dress sounds like a soap opera when you say it that way her stepdaughter slash best friend <laughs> it is a soap opera what are you talking about it's a the soap dragon. opera it just has a lot more murder than most soap operas <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. I'll give you that. Yeah, still, again, wonderful scene. And going on to that, I want to open the floor and I want to ask you guys, we talked about the characters, we've talked about some of the central themes. Now I want to talk about some of our favorite moments from the series. So I want each of you to go, we're going to go around to each of you and I want you to tell me, it could be just a small scene or a focus of an episode or just a line, but I want to tell you, what is the moment, I want you to tell me, what is the moment that is going to, when you think, House of the Dragon season one, that's what's going to come first to your mind. Uh, Andrew, why don't you start? Uh, well, if you I need was, more time, let me know. Well, I was just thinking about, like you said, the moment before you made it to like the first thing you want to see next because you're like, oh, that's like a different thing. But the first um, one of my favorite moments was when um, Luke, he, when he flies over, he flies over to uh, the Vale. I think it's the Vale, right? To go see the errands, the, the Riverlands, or I forgot what it was. You can see Aaron's, right? Aaron's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. He puts his he puts his dragon down, and in the distance, you just see like uh like the other the giant dragon. Also, oh no, that's at Storm's End with the Baratheons. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, because it was storming, so it was the Storm's End. (laughs) Okay. All right. Then apparently, Storm's End is Seattle. Oh, so it's okay. raining, <laughs> and you just see like in the distance the shadow of like like like, like you see like oh Aemon's already beat him here, mm-hmm. and I like how he comes in with this like rehearsed speech, like and his mom was like don't worry like they're not gonna freak you know we remind them of who of like you know our elite like our blood tie and everything, and like his whole like it's like when you prepare for like a sales pitch or something and you're just confronted with like someone who's like just dismantles your entire like proposition like he's like oh like you know like. Like Eamon like already got here before you did, and it's like you're already like, oh, like, this is gonna be rough. And then he's like, he's like, you show up with like you're like telling me like what I'm supposed to do. Like you don't even have like a marriage proposal for any of my daughter. Like you can't, you showed up with nothing really. And here's somebody else who beats you to the punch, who has like everything's already like everything taken care of, and you're just kind of just like, like oh, that didn't go exactly how we planned, mm-hmm. right? And so I just I like how it's kind of uh, it's like everyone has a plan until like you know you confront the enemy kind of situation and i just like i just like the whole just a little mini intrigue and politics of like like oh he's like i can't i marry you i'm already betrothed you know like basically to his cousin right i think yeah and so he's like betrothed slash stepsister step yeah because they're yeah. damon's daughters mm-hmm. right yeah. again oh, very right. soap opera <laughs> Step. Sister, oh, that's right. Yeah. I, oh my god, it's hard to keep track of the. Mer- you're right. You're right. And it, I just, I just, I thought that was an interesting scene because we really, I really felt like, oh, this doesn't go off with the hitch. Like, Rainier is going to gain another ally, and it's kind of like, no, like, 
like all that planning for nothing and then just the tragedy of that whole moment how she kind of like remember you're going as a messenger not as a warrior and then he still ends up dying and it's kind of just it's kind of sad but i just i thought that was like the more interesting part of that episode besides the whole dragon fight and everything yeah that was a really cool shot you're right when he essentially lands in the parking lot and you see this just the shadow of because they they make clear that aemon has scored the biggest dragon yeah. out of all of them and just seeing it and you can just see the look on his face like ah oh, crap <laughs> but yeah that was really good uh david uh lozano what what's gonna what are you gonna remember about season one when we get to see Allison's feet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino likes this post. <laughs> Did you guys see that meme where like they show her and her her dad like auto the hand and it's like Allison the foot? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no, it's actually the scene that like kind of shocked I think everyone when it happened when Vayman was up there, and of course, uh, uh, Viserys made his way to the throne, and he commits treason. And when he says, "Your sons are bastards," and she's and then a out of nowhere, whore. yeah, yeah, and out of nowhere, the night sister just comes and such a clean cut, yeah, a yeah. super clean cut with the Valerian still leaves his tongue. He, that yeah, I was Viserys like, I'll have your, I'll cut out your tongue for that. <laughs> He can yeah. keep his tongue. It's just such so a, cool. that is so cool. It's like, I'm sorry. I'm just, it's like, put the sunglasses on and you hear that. Yeah. Kind of thing as we start the who. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was one of my favorite reactions. I think on the internet to all the reactors on YouTube reacting to that. That was, that was pretty shocking, pretty cool. And I mean, it was, it, it fit the, it, it fit the uh, accusation there. I mean, it was treason. He was going to be put to death anyways. I like how, the guards pulled out their swords and then David was like, Oh, there's no need. And he puts the night sister back. So I thought that was a really cool scene. That was really good. Like I said, that was just so bad. <laughs> it was great. David, Wright, What do you yeah. got? Yeah. He's certainly a very supportive husband. I'll, I'll say that for, uh, for Damon. Well, to yeah. his latter two wives. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> those kids were not his at all, but, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's tough to say because we're only getting started, right? This, this is, this is, we set up everything. And then fr from here on out, things are going to get bigger. I, I think certain, uh, I would probably say probably Damon in the sandstones, sort of his, his, his moment of, of uh, sort of getting his act together that I think that'll be one of the ones to, to be remembered. You know, Spike where... is a powerful motivator. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Probably the, the dragon fight at the end. I, I'm sure that'll be uh a lot, a lot of people will be liking that one too, but yeah, I don't, I don't think we've really sort of hit the the iconic moments of the series yet. See, for me, I actually am going with a, a very different scene for a specific mm -hmm. reason, and it's the scene uh, at the dinner before Viserys dies, mm -hmm. and you have uh, the family dinner, and it's clear everyone's on edge. No one likes each other, and Viserys comes in, and again. He, I don't know how this man is still glued together. I really don't. That, that scene where he takes off the mask, it's like, cheek, gone, eye, gone. Just, oh my God. Why is he talking like this? <laughs> he probably should have, actually. Yeah. 
thought, 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 that was how I thought about Two Face in the Dark Knight. So. Uh, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought <laughs> yeah. of too. Like, I was surprised Eckhart. we didn't get more Two Face jokes. It was the when I saw that that scene when he took the mask off. I'm like, all right, just go make the Aaron Eckhart comparisons. We all know it's coming. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, I, I know why they didn't do it. But it's just, oh yeah, that, that little voice in the back of my mind is like, you would have a serious speech impediment. Your oh, tongue would not be able to stay in your mouth. Yeah. yeah. No, what gets me is he takes the he goes to the fan, takes the mask off, and he basically is just like, look, I'm not going to be around forever, and I'm tired of the fighting. I'm tired of you guys complaining. Viserys has made it clear throughout his entire reign, family is the most important thing to him, and those who have read fire and blood know that he goes down as one of the in in history as one of their kindest most just kings you know he really has a wonderful association with them despite having never fought in any wars or anything yeah actually if i could hop in here again mm-hmm. second like, like like the scene where he's talking to i forget who who it is but the 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 guy that replaces auto hightower's hand of the king for a bit uh lord strong uh, yeah lord yeah. strong yeah where he's talking to him about like you know i've never fought in any actual real wars and Strong is like, you know, that that's a good thing. And he's like, yeah, but like I, I, I've, I've never been tested. And he says, like, from what I've learned, those that have been tested say they wish they never had been. And it's just that kind of, that's sort of like the, his moment to sort of talk about his legacy and his, mm-hmm. uh, of his reign and, and him coming to terms with that. And I think that's kind of a nice little thematic little moment mm-hmm. in the show. Yeah, the fact that Viserys is going to go down in history for keeping the peace, and that's what he tries to do there. Well, even his reigning titles. Sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. you. No, it's cool. It's yeah, cool. yeah, he's. Uh, I'm Canadian. I have to apologize. It's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, I'm sorry. I'm. I'm sorry for apologizing. The most Canadian sentence ever. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, but, but we make uh, fun of Canadians on every other show. Go for it. Oh, that's okay. We make plenty of fun at you guys too. Oh, I'm well aware of it. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, but like his reigning title is he's like the series the the peaceful, mm-hmm. which is a reigning title you never hear. It's always like the just or the great or the conqueror or the, the mad, mad the mad. <laughs> yeah, now the we butcher. have a few more generations yeah. before we get that guy. Yeah, but but no, yeah, I, I thought it was kind of a neat thing to to do is like the the king that didn't have to fight lots of wars and just had a nice peaceful reign. Mm-hmm. He just, liked, he just liked to make his models, man. He just he had his yeah. hobbies. I, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, the reason that scene stuck out for me is I come from a very big family. My dad is the oldest of six brothers. And everyone, everyone in that family has multiple kids and multiple grandkids. And there were so many times when we were at each other's throats because you have that many people in family, you're going to have a ton of disagreements. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go into specific what disagreements. Let's just say uh, my dad and one of his younger brothers in a certain election nearly killed each other. Jesus Christ. And, I wonder which election that could be. Yeah. And my grandmother. Bush I was going to say, I'm like, Bob Dole wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so my grandmother, who passed away uh, is shortly before uh, COVID happened, uh, was the peacekeeper. Uh, you know, she, she raised six boys, and she was always there for us. She was an amazing, wonderful woman, and she was always the one to stem the fighting. She was just always like, no, you're family. You don't do that to each other. I don't care what this person said. I don't care what that person said. You're not doing this anymore. And when Viserys stood up and said that, I just, 
it just hit me, especially because, again, my grandmother passed um, a couple of years ago, right before COVID hit. And we had a uh, fan. We had been planning to have a summer family barbecue. And even though she died, we decided to go ahead and have it. And everyone was there and we're trying to get along. And two of my aunts just claws came out and i was like because and they were and they were one of them was actually saying you know jo my grandma's name was joanne it's like joanne's not here to you know stop me now and i'm just like so oh, just head that. it was just like yeah that you are living the game know. of thrones <laughs> it kind of was and that and that that was a very ugly family barbecue she was just buying her time <laughs> yeah pretty much so so I know what it's like to have family that just does not agree and has so many problems and to have them and to have the, the well, you know, in my case, it was the matriarch, but to have just the head of the family stand up and say, you don't get it. Family is all that's important. Family is the most important thing in the world. You need to stop fighting each other. It really hit home for me. And I was like, that yeah. looks way too freaking familiar. The main thing about this show, uh, sorry, Alex, I didn't mean to jump in real quick, but um, Go for it. is it has a trope, the trope of um, where it issues can be resolved and people just talk to each other. And it, it, it most in most things, it kind of like when there's miscommunication, it just irks me. It's like like no, it's like you know when they're like there's like just like it's not what it looks like that kind of thing, right? I hate back when shows do that for dramatic effect, mm -hmm. but this kind of really is kind of like that trope but it's not as grating or as irritating because we have the whole like like when he's dying right when Viserys is dying he has he's he's like sleep talking or whatever talking about the prophecy of what's to come yeah I, I think says, he was confused I think he couldn't tell in his delirium I think he thought that Alicent was Rhaenyra yeah, yeah. I, I think most people are yeah. saying that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but they I think he even mentions like Aegon and like it doesn't help in the show when there's so many Aegons when like yeah. the one he's probably referring to is Aegon. Yeah, again, fourth, it's like Targaryens, is... show some creativity when you name your freaking children. Exactly. And then the whole and then that same scene, the dinner scene, right, where we have where Rhaenyra and Alicent kind of talk about how they kind of miss what they had before mm -hmm. all this madness, like years ago when they were just like friends. And it's like it's like if you if Rhaenyra would just assure Alicent like she's not going to kill her family when she takes the throne, like I feel like that would solve so much, like so many issues because like Alicent doesn't know that's a given. Rhaenyra pretty much, you know, she knows she's not going, she doesn't want to, right? So if they just like communicate it, like they could avoid so much drama and grief. But I, it's a show; it, they have to do that. It's just, yeah. it's <sighs> also before cell phones, so. <laughs> Yeah. you know it's like i don't think we could just you know it's like oh, i should call allison and see if we can discuss this out <laughs> send a letter yeah, yeah. unfortunately send Raven, a Raven, a, it'll get there yeah. you know three months yeah and, and then you still have to deal with the 120 character limit <laughs> <laughs> it's like ah oh, run out of space on the page like oh, yeah. oh, damn it yeah, i need another scroll and another yeah. raven yeah exactly you, you have to wait like two weeks for the next raven to arrive so you can continue the conversation and by then they've been so angry they've been like re-ravening all the messagings and oh, re-ravening yeah. re <laughs> there's a good term i like that oh so so yeah i i don't want to ask you know what we what we expect to see in the second season because again this is coming from the source material and it looks like again they've embellished a lot but mm -hmm. uh obviously they have to this can't be just a textbook adaptation but it looks like this series was incredibly accurate to the first uh, parts of the book so 
Yeah, I can't say like, well, what do we think is going to happen? Because we, you know, the book's already there and it looks like they're going to adapt it pretty faithfully. Well, Joffrey, that little bastard spoiled part of it for us. I was about to say that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess I'm wondering like, how is this going to end? I'm like, oh, that's right. Joffrey ruined it in one of the seasons where he talks about exactly what who wins. I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah. Well, maybe not who wins, but yeah, he, he gives a, a pretty major spoiler for events yet to come. The outcome yeah. of certain characters. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm just gonna say now this even from we... beyond the grave, he's still a little shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe this is considered spoilers. I don't know, but the fact is that very few people are gonna exit out of this civil war alive. Mm-hmm. It's like just don't get used to these characters, people. They're gonna die. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> get attacked. Get a lot of death. And as Andrew pointed out, please don't name your children after any of these characters until the series is over. <laughs> it's like i don't care how cute you think the name allison is don't name your kid that yet yet i like Wait i like the it. series to end i like it because it reminds me of maleficent uh, mm-hmm. i like maleficent so i like the little the what we call that alliteration kind of there there is a little bit there mm-hmm. but yeah i can already imagine how many you know pregnant women see that and said i'm going to name my child allison or uh, chase or luke or something and i'm just like did you people learn nothing from all the again, all the poor kids who started first grade this year named Khaleesi. <laughs> well, screw all you. I'm, I'm naming my kid Damon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I met an Anakin once. I met a teenage Anakin once. That's cool. I uh, went to summer school with a woman who had a infant son named Luke, but her last name was Walker, and she actually gave him the middle name Sky. <laughs> okay, that's funny. yeah. Middle middle names is where you have fun with that stuff. Oh yeah, it's like yeah. First name, fine, respectful, whatever. Middle name, okay. This is where I get to enjoy myself. <laughs> Luke S. Walker, I like that. <laughs> nice. All right. So, is there anything else? Uh, any other moments we want to discuss, or anything else? Uh, the big twist with uh, Lenor. Um, I thought he was burned alive in that in that fireplace. Mm-hmm. And then when we got the big reveal and putting down the hood, it's like, yeah, he got out of there alive unscathed. In, in the books, did it happen similar way? In the books, he was killed. They they said oh, no. Okay. The I, I and I think they're basically saying. Actually, this the question I'm curious about is whether or not Damon and Renera knew that he faked it. Damon essentially paid Lenor's lover, I think. No. To, yeah. Yeah. I think I think, I think it's is, implied. It's yeah. implied that they yeah. they were in on it because she talked because Rhaenyra talks about how like she really liked uh, uh, Lenor that she didn't wish any ill on him so like mm-hmm. it's implied that she just wanted him to kind of just get away alive unscathed yeah 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 she she even gives a bit of speech like we tried we tried but mm-hmm. he was gay so so but yeah I I think that is kind of fun idea it's like so you know, did they look the other way and think, or, you know, did they think he was killed? Were they in on him escaping? Cause in the books there, they never say that, but again, there's kind of the idea of maybe they never wrote that in the book because those who wrote that book were also fooled. From what I understand, like I haven't, I haven't read the book, but from what I understand, I think there's an interview with one of the writers when they mentioned that the book is supposed to be kind of like, from what will we understand? This is what happened. Like it's like a very unreliable narrator. I think <laughs> It's like, essentially right. a narrator who's using three separate sources. Yeah. Um, and they, it becomes pretty clear that on they're, they're all unreliable at certain points. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of them, one of them did not actually, you know, 
have anything to do with the dance of the dragons he knew someone who was one is um uh, oh god okay for th those religious women that we saw and oh, the silent uh, sisters no not the silent no. sisters the, the the septum i think oh septa oh, yeah. yeah the septa yeah one was a septa who refused to write about anything that was scandalous or lewd and the third writer was a dwarf jester with by the name mushroom <laughs> I'm not joking about any of this. Mushroom. Who was very heavily involved in all of this? Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting they don't have that character. I think Mushroom. they don't have it because they were really worried that people were going to make too many comparisons between him and, and Tyrion. Tyrion. Okay, mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah, we talked about Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones, just how powerful of an impact he left, how amazing of a job he did in that role. And I don't think, I'm sorry, if you have Mushroom. another dwarf show up in house of the dragon no matter how different of a character is because mushroom is not Ty or tywin not Tyrion in any way shape or form but people are you know going to look at that yeah i know i screwed up the banners thank you very much <laughs> sorry about that guys i i try actually i tried to put that in and fix it and i was like ah oh, crud i messed that up didn't i so yeah. So yeah, sorry about that, guys. Let me move that and remove that. And there we go. Yay. Okay. So I had it wrong for the first hour and a half of the podcast. So sue me. I fixed it at least before we cut. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, like of, of all the things to not show banners on, it has to be something based on a George R.R. R. Martin book. <laughs> yes i apologize about that guys i was trying i, I didn't realize okay so I, I apologize i genuinely didn't realize that when you activate that banner at the bottom it automatically nixes the names so i clicked that and then right as the show started going I'm like oh my god and I, I just sort of realized but by then i was like i i don't think i can really change it without making it too obvious yeah it's all good that was more of a poke at george rr R. martin for his obsession with medieval her heraldry I'll give you that. All right. So we uh, they haven't announced yet on when uh, the second season's going to start. I don't even know if they've started filming yet or not or when we're going to uh, get it. So we'll just have to, you know, wait for an announcement. I thought there was an announcement. Well, yeah, I like saw it. Was about two years. Two yeah, years from now. Two years from now. Yeah, from now. now. We'll get, we'll now. yeah, yeah. I heard Jesus an interview Christ, with George R. R. Martin. He's like, yeah, there's no, not enough time to get something out by next year. So. Oh, no. Yeah. Now, I, I am glad to say George R. R. Martin is still very heavily involved in this. And, I mean, can we all at least agree, at least thank God this book is complete so we don't have to worry about that happening again. But I do like seeing him get that this involved with the series. I think it's gonna what be else is he going to do? Finish Winds of Winter? Ouch. <laughs> I, would, I would like to say, though, uh, one thing that, because um, I really like Frank... Like uh, David Lozano knows that, like when it comes to Star Wars, I love like connective tissue. I do like how we're seeing the Targaryens like in their role as like head of like the as the you know lords of basically the Seven Kingdoms. Like in retrospect, like when I think of like Danny in Game of Thrones coming back and reclaiming like what's hers, like in my mind it does kind of make me think of like 
well, like now that I've seen it on screen, like she does have the right, like this is her birthright. Whereas before, mm-hmm. I, because we don't see her or them as like in power at the start of the Game of Thrones, it just feels like so kind of like, oh yeah, there's that girl across the ocean who like lays claim. But like seeing this now kind of like retroactively makes it like, like oh yeah, like she deserves to have, like this is her legacy. So like, I like that kind of like, that idea kind of like pushed its way back into my brain a bit. I am interested about this, how it's going to lay out the fact that we are going to basically see the end of the dragons right now. That's mm-hmm. I think they said that the, the, the blacks have 13 dragons, 13 yes, dragons. Something like that. Most of them are not being ridden. Most of them are still in the dragon pit. The greens have four. And Damon also mentions they have a handful of eggs that um, haven't hatched yet. And we know that by game of Thrones time, pretty much all that's left are three unhatched eggs. Mm-hmm. So I am interested to see, it's like, so what happened to all these dragons and all these eggs? How bad did the fighting get that these creatures that have become so iconic to the Targaryen dynasty are all but extinct? Mm-hmm. We do see at the end of the episode that like when uh, Damon comes in singing like, like old Valerian with like the, the torch, mm-hmm. like he's trying to court another dragon and according to some people I've seen online, they talked about how that dragon he's trying to court is supposed to be as big, if not bigger, than the one that Aemon has. Yeah, so it looks like see, a really big dragon. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. supposed to be as big, if not bigger, than the one that Aemon already has. So, like, I think we're in for some big, heavy, like, drag on equal terms, like dragon on dragon fighting, and that's yeah something that's going to be really exciting to see. I think. Yeah, it's it's pretty clear they need a just as big of a fighter as Aemon's dragon. Who again, I'm not going to try to look up what these dragons name. I think it's like are. Valerian the Dread. There you go. That's yeah, right. there yeah. is Cyrix. Uh, I know one. I think it's either Bela uh, or Reyna writes one called Moon Dancer. Mm-hmm. I think cool it's Moon Dancer. Wait, is that a My Little Pony? I don't know. <laughs> <It> might be. <laughs> I like Damon's though. I like how like serpent like it's so long. Yes. yes. It looks so like compared to the other ones that are very European style dragons. Like his is like more like an Asian style kind of like a. Yeah, it is a very serpent like neck. It's really it's it, that is kind of cool. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I do kind of hope we see more of a difference. Not so much in the style of the dragons, but maybe in the colorization and such. Mm-hmm. Because I will admit it with the exception of the size, it is kind of hard to remember. It's like, well, which dragon is which? Yeah. Mm, sorry, I got some in my throat there. Yeah. But yeah, there haven't been that many dragons so far in the show because dragons are expensive. But yeah, hopefully we'll see we'll see more dragons as as the show goes on. That's, yeah, that some CGI artists are like, you want another dragon? Fine, fork over the money. <laughs> that yep. scene was cool though. At the, like the first episode when we have like the little pyre for like the queen and the baby that died. Like you do see a lot of dragons yeah. on the on the edges like around them. Mm-hmm. They're kind of just—they're just like I don't know if they're present out of respect or if that's just where they happen to be, where they're kind of just like laying around and stuff. So I really thought from that first episode, I thought we really were going to see like, oh, like dragons are just going to be like everywhere, and you kind of see that too, where like a lot of the people seem kind of used to dragons, where like when uh, Luke arrives at Storm's End, like 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 oh yeah, it's another dragon. Like when he parks, like it's just like it's just it seems like dragons are almost like an everyday thing, like two hundred years ago. Yeah, of course he has to park in a compact spot because his dragon's just so much smaller. Yeah, yeah, just say those those guards already saw Balerion fly in. So it's just kind of like, yeah, so it's like, ah, that's a little one. I've seen bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, that's it's like right over there. Driving in on a tank, and then oh look, here comes someone in a Fiat. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah i am we are definitely hoping for more dragons and like i said i just want to see a little more variety not so much in the style but just make them a little bit different from one another so we can pick out like whose is whose a baby blue one or you know oh i'd lime, love a baby blue dragon a lime green one like an iguana <laughs> or something i don't know <laughs> wasn't there like a video game of a blue dragon i think it literally was called blue dragon yeah yeah okay yeah blue dragon so i got a list of all the dragon names if you want to hear them oh yes please let's hear it so uh so david brought up balerion the the black dread uh that's the largest and eldest of all the targaryen dragons balerion was flown by aegon the conqueror and later became the steed of king viserys the first the black and red mall dragon has died by the time house of dragon house of the dragon begins but his massive skull can be seen on display i think that's the skull that uh aegon Yeah. tells uh his daughter about it the, with the dream yeah i think that's the scene yeah so you have vagar who uh aemon is currently riding uh cyrax caraxes which uh that's daemon's dragon sunfire which is aegon the seconds uh vermithor which is the dragon that daemon is courting uh silverwing uh Maylis, which is uh rainy's dragon i do remember yeah Maylis gets to make that awesome exit at yeah. the uh at Aegon's coronation, I that that now there's a scene that I'm gonna remember. That giant, yeah. it was like a bomb going off. She like changed armor and changed clothes in it. <laughs> yeah, it's just so badass. And I, 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 we, we, I remember a lot of people like, why didn't she torch them? I'm like, well, obviously the war needs to happen, but I personally don't think she needed to torch them. I almost prefer the fact that she just roared because to me, she was essentially being said, either bend the knee or you're not leaving. And when Melee's roars she just has this look on her face like i think you can take that as my answer yeah like <laughs> screw all you that. for the crap i've had to deal with this past couple of days yeah well well she in response to that point she also like rhaenyra says like yeah, why didn't you burn them when you had the dragon on it's like because this is your war not mine like i'm you know, you're the one who has to declare war not me yeah I think the guys, uh, if you guys, if, if you watch this on, I don't know if they watch it on HBO or just HBO Max, but there's a behind the scenes thing that plays after every episode. Mm-hmm. And the show creators also mentioned that to them, they felt that Renaries wouldn't do it because she didn't want to do that to another mother. She's lost, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. two of her children, her, her only two children. And she sees Allison there with her son. And I think in the back of her head, even though she doesn't agree with them, she's going, I'm not going to do this to you, Allison. I'm not going to put you through what I've gone through twice. Meanwhile, the hundreds of children that were murdered by her dragons smashing them with her tail, they're totally fine. They're <laughs> peasants. That's, yeah. She didn't know them, though. Collateral damage. Yeah, they're all, don't worry, they're all extras. They're extras in CGI. Who gives a crap? <laughs> uh, yeah, speaking of extras, so yeah. Moon Dancer's another name. Sea yes, Smoke. I was. Okay. Moon Dancer is a My Little Pony character. I wasn't wrong. <laughs> so yeah, Moon Dancer, Sea Smoke, Dreamfire, uh, Tessarion, Stormcloud, Vermax, Arax, Taraxes, Morgul, Shrikos, Morning, Sheep Stealer, the Cannibal. <laughs> and- yeah, that's the best, the best dragon name. <laughs> Sheep Stealer. I love that. Yeah. I wonder why they got that name. And the Again, ghost. you get the feeling that some of these were. I get the. I just get this image of a D and D group sitting around, it's like we gotta need to name all these dragons. Some of them they come up with some names. Some of them they get bored, and the rest they go. Here's a bunch of Scrabble letters. Dump them out and just pick a name that comes out of them. Well, it's, it's like the Dire Wolves for all the Stark kids. You know, you got like Ghost or Grey Wind. Then and you have really... Lady and Shaggy Dog. Shaggy Dog. <laughs> yeah. 
What was the last one you said, David? What was the last one you said? Uh, there was a uh, lady, which was Sansa's, and Shaggy Dog. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Lozano. I'm sorry, Lozano. He's listening to the names. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, the I, I knew this was going to happen at least once with having two Davids on my show. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's a, I put my last name in my handle this time around. Yeah, Sheep Stealer, the Cannibal, the Ooh. Grey Ghost. Those are Grey, three right okay. there. Yeah. Nice. I stand by my D and D theory yeah. with the names. <laughs> well, Some of these are just names like Cy- Cyrax or Dreamer, and it's like Sheep Stealer. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. there we go. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. George, can you can you tell us more about Sheep Stealer? This one sounds good. <laughs> that I just want to know scamp. what came first, the stealing of the sheep or the name? It's like yeah. it's like did they call him that after he stole sheep? That's or a did, good was point. this a dragon who was determined <laughs> yeah. to live up to his name? Single handedly destroyed the shepherding industry in the Riverlands. <laughs> oh, I'm so setting the the time on this to mark for TikTok. <laughs> All right. So, uh, unless there's anything else to talk about, why don't we go ahead and move on to plugs? Unless, sure. did anyone else have any other points they wanted to bring up on the show? Just the the point I think where I where like I turn I came around on Damon was just the moment where he gets that scroll from his brother, and then just proceeds to beat the crap out of the message the delivery guy. Don't and, shoot the messenger. Don't follow that. And then he turns like his whole plan from being like, okay, we're going to do this and this and we're going to figure And he's like, no, like we're solving this problem today. And how he just gets down in there, like just solos like this entire army single handedly, pretends to surrender. And then right when they think they got him, he like, nope, continues. And then the dragon comes in and he just, I love how, I love, like it was an interesting decision to not show us the fight with the uh, the crab uh, feeder or what's his name crab crab king crab, or something crab, like that yeah yeah crab, crab feeder I thought yeah, it's crab feeder oh, right. crab I, I'm not gonna lie actually the scene where it's like why did they call him the crab feeder watch the scene you'll find out it's like Ugh. yeah and then he just falls him into the cave and he just comes out with like half of his upper torso dragging along and it's like like damn okay that's that was one like okay like Damon is definitely he's that guy he is that guy, kind of guy and I was just like. On dragons living up to their names, huh? Oh, is that like their his favorite part? I guess so. I, maybe that's a TikTok t- title. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so just okay, that's it. I'm done. That last part. No, that that was an interesting idea, and I do love the fact that yeah, it, 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 like you guys said, spite is a very powerful motivator, especially because again, I, if I remember correctly, in the book, it turns out that um, Viserys, King Viserys, had been secretly feeding extra money and troops to Damon, uh, basically to keep him away from King's Landing. Mm. You know, it's... That makes sense, too. Yeah, so I kind of like that idea. But again, I, I, I'm i glad that they didn't go with that because we see so much that Viserys, he keeps forgiving Damon after so... He's just like, I in the end, he's like, I don't care. I just want my family to be together. Mm-hmm. So... Did you see that meme uh, going around of like Viserys after each episode? And it's just the picture of Ben Affleck when he's outside, like smoking, like <laughs> he has his head up, like just like looking tired. Like that's Viserys <laughs> the entire first half of the show. Yeah, he's like, just like dealing with this shit. Yeah, yeah that, that is Viserys. <laughs> uh, I will go ahead and guy. Who do you think or go ahead and ask who, which guy do you think uh, deserves the Emmy more Patty or Matt Smith? Because but I say both these guys gave amazing performances in this series, and I but I don't know which one to give the Emmy to. Hmm. Probably Matt Smith because Patty's going to take forever to get up to the stage. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then Matt Smith, he drops the, the Emmy and Matt Smith comes up and hands it. Nobody questioned the validity of that Emmy. At least no one was standing in front of Matt Smith. <laughs> Showing up there with Night Sister. Yeah. Uh, like I said, because yeah, again, you guys are right. Matt Smith gives a amazing performance, so different from what we've seen of him with the his portrayal as the Doctor. But Patty carries so much weight as Viserys, and I, I keep going back to that scene where he walks into the hall practically falling apart, and it's it's so powerful because you feel how sick he is, how weak he is. Mm -hmm. This is never a moment where he is showing strength. He's showing strength of character and that's the only strength he's got left. And just like the look of like disbelief on Otto and Allison, like they turn around and look at each other like, like what the hell? Like, what is he doing here? Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> I thought he was still in bed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I'm thinking about Matt Smith. Um, he's had quite an interesting year. Cause I've never seen Dr. Who. I, I, I don't really get British humor, so I don't, I don't watch Dr. Who, but the, just thinking of where we started off the year with him with it Morbius. And then now how he ends up here with like all these accolades, like he's had one hell of a year. So I think just that reason alone, although it's like outside of the show for me, uh, I think probably Matt Smith might deserve it a little bit more. Although I do like Viserys's character a lot. I think Matt Smith just, he turned someone like who I did not like at all, like that first episode and just like completely brought me around to his side. So, yeah. So yeah. I got a fun fact uh, about Matt Smith. Uh, so I host a Star Wars podcast. And uh, for a long time, there was a rumor that Matt Smith was actually going to play young Palpatine in The Rise of Skywalker. Wow. And um, not going to apparently... lie, I could totally see that. I could see Matt Smith as a young Ian McDermott. And apparently, it was true. They did shoot stuff with him, but he's been asked on red carpets and interviews, and he'll deny it. But apparently, it was true. He was cast in The Rise of Skywalker, but they just cut him out of it. Well, that, unfortunately, that. that does happen. You get a lot of times where you have great scenes, great performances, but strictly for pacing reasons or yeah. something, they realize we have to cut this. You yeah. know, and it's nothing against the actor. It's nothing against that. It's just they realize the movie will be better if we get rid of this. So, but yeah. I, could I want to so see a young Sheev. I want to see what that would have looked like. My vote is for Tom Hiddleston, but mmm. Mm. He looks a lot like Ian McDermott. Yeah, he does. That would be. But there was also another Star Wars connection in House of the Dragon. In the very first episode, the very first moments, uh, King Jaehaerys, uh, he played Bib Fortuna in uh, Return of the Jedi. Oh, really? Wow. I did, don't recognize the dude without the giant <laughs> appendage. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want to call yep. that thing. Or the red eyes and the and the sharp teeth. Uh -huh. The, the Wanawanga. <laughs> <laughs> Java ain't no bother. <laughs> so yeah, that's cool. Star Wars info for today. <laughs> gotta get one Save in. the rest for next month when we discuss Andor. Yeah. Oh, I love Andor. Yeah. Uh, I believe I have both my Davids on for that. Uh, yep, that's my plan. Yep, my plan too. All right. So. All right, then let's go ahead. Like I said, if there's nothing else, then let's go ahead and move on to plugs. Uh, Andrew, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your work with uh, Geek News Now. Sure. Uh, so I'm a staff writer over at Geek News Now. I primarily write about 
video games and Star Wars, although every now and then I'll kind of go outside my comfort zone, write about other stuff. Uh, I also host a video game podcast called Duo Sense. Uh, it's D-U-O-S-E-N-S-E uh, with my best friend where we just talk about video game news from the past week and what we've been playing. Um, it's pretty straightforward. Sometimes we do like video game trivia at the end if we have time. So uh, you can find that on pretty much all major podcasts. Uh, apps i guess you would call them right uh, websites and stuff so yeah those are the two main things they, oh and i also have co-host every now and then although less regularly now uh a star wars podcast that's literally called my star wars show with another good friend of mine and we just we just go we just cover one specific star wars topic each episode but that one's like it's less frequent but if you can look it up that one's only on youtube that one's only on youtube my star wars show so there you go all right well speaking of star wars stuff uh David Lozano, I believe you um, know a little bit about Star Wars. Yep, I have a Star Wars podcast. It's called Star Wars Stuff. You can find it pretty much on every uh, app, social media, anywhere. You can listen to podcasts for there. Um, I mean, also, you can... in your background, obviously, you know, would never give us any hint of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's overflowing out. I got packages I haven't opened yet. So, yeah, it's... Uh, We've been going since 2018, and we have multiple hosts, different generations. We're located in every part of the country, uh, north, south, east, west, Disneyland, Disney World. We have people that work at Galaxy's Edge. Um, and, yeah, we'll have people in London for a celebration coming up in April. So uh, if you want to hear about Star Wars stuff, I like to concentrate on Bleeding Edge News. So all the stuff about uh, that just dropped every week, we, we host a podcast just about every uh, two times a week. So you'll get a, a lot of news from us. All right. Well, uh, before he freezes to death in the Canadian office, <laughs> David Wright, <laughs> uh, what do you got coming up? Uh, just uh, I think uh, next week I'm on uh, Rings of Power and uh, Wakanda Forever, and then uh, in December it'll be I'll be here for The Crown and Avatar Two. That's all I know for now, unless anything gets added. Avatar Two, otherwise known as James Cameron's next tech demonstration. Yes, I stole <laughs> that joke from Robert, and I am proud of it, and I will continue to use it. All right. So uh, as far as my future shows here, uh, we're going to be talking at uh, the end of this week about Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Uh, really looking forward to that. It's going to be me, uh, Robert Winfrey and Jason Teasley, otherwise known as the usual horror trifecta of the uh, Radelich and Broadcasting Network. Uh, after that... Uh, I will also be on to discuss uh, Wakanda Forever. Andrew, I, I didn't get a chance to do what he do it at the same time you did so <laughs> looking forward to that uh we're also going to be talking uh strange world latest uh outing from disney and we are going to be again going back to the horror trifecta we're going to be talking about the menu uh here a little later this month really intrigued to look into that that the, the trailer for that really got my attention it's supposed to be pretty interesting early reviews for it have all given it glowing recommendations and as far as when i do not owe my soul to mark rattledge my company is honeysuckle rose creations where fashion meets fandom at the intersection of geek and chic and we are getting ready for our big black friday sale Everything in both of our shops on Etsy and Handmade at Amazon is going to be 20% off. Uh, this includes, if you're a fan of House of the Dragon, we will have a lot of Westeros-themed items. I am currently finishing two new uh, Scrabble tile chokers that will have the symbols of House Targaryen and House Hightower. So whether you're supporting the black or the greens, we've got the necklace for you. And like I always remind everyone, 
uh, we will also be doing our charity drive that every order that is placed from Black Friday to Christmas Eve for every individual order from either shop, we will donate $5 to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And as always, you can follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and until Elon Musk completely buries it, Twitter. So, again, that's what I stand by it. Honeysuckle Rose Creations, uh, the intersection of geek and chic. So on behalf of both Davids and Andrew, I'm Alexis Haina saying be well, be safe. And I almost hit the wrong button. Behave. <laughs>